Let's pray. Lord God, we are so blessed to, to live in this amazing country that we have and to have the freedoms that we share, and it's all based upon promises that are kept. And help us this day to understand the power of your promises. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are doing a series on focusing on the Paul's letter to the Romans over these summer months, and it's called A Power-Packed Life. And, and today the focus is on the power of a promise. And before I begin this topic, you know, when you hear the word promise, maybe, maybe different things come to mind, you know, maybe trigger some things inside of you. Because sometimes in life, promises are not kept. Maybe someone close to you broke a promise, or maybe, you know, someone at work, or um, maybe some political officials broke some promises, and the list can go on and on. And, and so often in life, there's a series of broken promises. Then we hear, trust the promises of God. How do we know that we can trust God's promises? And I want to make something very clear. It's a huge difference between people and God. Human beings are imperfect. They're sinful. Their power is limited. When it comes to God, he is perfect. He is without sin. And he's unlimited in his power. He can do what? He can do anything. It's a huge difference. Because today I want to make it very clear to us, the main point is that when God makes a promise, it always comes true. We can count on that. And I want to show you some examples in the scriptures. In fact, if you want to grab a Bible, um, one of the Bibles in the pews there, and, and turn to on um, page 5 in the Bible if you want to follow along with me. I want to show you some, some promises there and ask the question, do they come true? In Genesis 3, verse 15 on page 5, and just leading up to that section, whenever there are broken promises in the Bible, it's not from God. It's always from who? From people. So Adam and Eve fall into sin. They break God's law. Sin comes in the world, and God could have wiped out this planet, started over again, but we see a promise right there in Genesis 3, 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The promise being God saying, I'm going to send somebody, a relative one day of Adam and Eve is going to come and crush the head of Satan, which means that one day a Savior is going to come and he's going to win the victory over Satan, sin, and death. Did that happen? Yes. And this promise was given thousands of years before it ever took place. And what you see in the Old Testament is all these genealogies, you know, that um, Adam and Eve, they had Seth and Seth, and just goes right down the line of all these, you know, different generations leading up to who? To Jesus, who fulfilled this promise. In fact, the focus of the Bible is on what Jesus has done. You know, some other examples in Genesis. In Genesis 6, 2, and 3, um, God talks about how he's going to limit the lifespan of human beings to how many years? 120 years. I, I just get the biggest kick out of that. I'm, I'm thinking I'm so thankful he did that because before that, people were living like over 900 years. I don't want to live here over 900 years in this planet, okay? Um, so he sets the max capacity at 120, and no one ever lives past 120 years because that's the bar he set. You know, we see also early in Genesis, a flood came across the whole world. And only Noah and his family and, and um, you know, various, all the animals were spared as far as at least two of every animal. And then eventually when the flood subsides, and by the way, there's plenty of evidence all over the world of this universal flood, but when the floodwaters settle, God makes a promise. 
Never again is there going to be a universal flood. And a sign of this promise is what? The rainbow. Okay. Um, today we're going to be talking about a guy named Abraham. So if we can jump to Genesis chapter 12. It's on page um, 17. Page 17. A promise that God makes to this, this guy who's considered the, the father of many nations. Father Abraham. 12.1. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And God goes on to tell him, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands in the seashore. The challenge was that Abraham didn't have any children. But yet, Abraham believed God. We'll get back to this topic in a little bit. Let's jump to Isaiah chapter 7. It's on page 1070. 1070. Isaiah 714. This is a section we so often read around Christmas time. Quite the prophecy or sign here. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That more than 700 years before Jesus was even born, it was laid out there. In fact, as you go through the Old Testament, the details of Jesus' life are laid out way before they ever come to be that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would live a perfect life, he would die on the cross, do all kinds of miracles, he would rise from the dead. Um, everything's laid out, and every single prophecy about him has come true. you got this book written by 40 author- authors over 1,600 years, three different continents, and when these words and these promises come together, it always agrees. The promises always come true. And then we see in the New Testament, the gospel is the life of Jesus who fulfilled the very things laid out in Genesis chapter 3, that Jesus did come. And he fulfilled the promise that God had given to us, a promise that gives to us eternal life, something we couldn't do for ourselves. And it's so important to realize a promise has come from God to us, okay? If it was about us to God, we're the ones who so often mess up. But God is perfect in keeping his promises. And you think through the scriptures. My guess is you probably have certain promises in the Bible, certain scriptures you like to hold on to. There's a lot of great ones, like Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, one of my favorites is Romans 8, 28. I've probably gone back to this one thousands of times. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love the Lord. That's one every, as soon as things start going bad, I start thinking that one right away. You know what? God is always true to his promises because every time in my life I've gone through a difficult time, he's helped me through it. And it worked out to the good. God brings good even out of the bad. Or you think of like, you know, um, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, where Paul says, I rejoice in my suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. The list goes on and on. Or even you know, when Jesus makes a promise to 11 of his disciples after Judas had you know, um, hanged himself, there's 11 left. He goes, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
to a group much smaller than what we have here right now, he says, you're going to change the world. And guess what? They did. Because God is always true to his promises. And I want us to make sure we hold on to that. We can trust God because I think sometimes we may have doubts. Sometimes we wonder, is God going to follow through? But he always does. Maybe not in our timing, but in the way that's best. So a couple things I want to make clear in regards to these promises. That one thing, in, in, as we go into Romans chapter 4, which is our epistle lesson for today, Paul makes something very clear. The promise is not in the law. The law is not the promise. The Ten Commandments are not the promise. We're not saved by what we do. If the Ten Commandments were the promise, that would mean that we would be obligated to live by them perfectly to be saved, and none of us can do it. What the Ten Commandments, what the law does, it shows us our what? Our sin. Shows us our imperfection. Shows us the problem. And so it's very clear we need to understand the promise is not the law. The promise is the gospel. And that goes back to the very beginning of Romans when Paul lays out the theme. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's a power of God for salvation for all who believe. The power is in the promise of the gospel. That God came in the world in Jesus Christ to fulfill everything for us. To be the one who would live the perfect life for us, who would die on the cross, who would rise again. So how does this tie into Abraham? Because chapter 4 of Romans gets a lot into Abraham. He's considered the father of all of us. In fact, a lot of different religious groups try to claim that Abraham is their spiritual father. Actually, Abraham is a spiritual father for us. Those who followed and lived by the promise of God. He wasn't living under obligation to the law. He had a relationship with God. He wanted to do the right thing because of his love for God and God's love for him. And I want you to think about his story for a moment. The guy was wealthy. He had a comfortable life. He had land. He had cattle. He had servants. He had a family. And God comes to him one day and says, you know what? I want you to get up and I want you to go. Just take off. Where am I going? I'll let you know when you get there. That's faith. Faith and a promise. And not only that, but you're going to have all these descendants. But he has no what? No children. But he still trusted the promises of God. And as time goes by, eventually um, he gets older, and and Sarah um, gives um, to Abraham her handmaiden named Hagar, and she has a child named Ishmael. And Ishmael is born when, when, when Abraham's about 87 years old. But God keeps saying, you know what? You're going to have a child through Sarah. At the age of 100 years old, Sarah being 90, what happens? Isaac is born. Way past the age of childbearing, a miracle of God. God so often does not do things in the time frames that we may expect. He always comes through. At that point, after a while, after Isaac's born, um, God reveals to Abraham that that, um, Hagar and Ishmael have to leave. And they're symbolic of the law. It's almost like the law gets pushed away because what is in place now is the what? The gospel. The gospel that saves us. The promise in Jesus Christ. And as time goes by, at the age of 12, when Isaac was 12, God says to Abraham, take your only son, the son whom you love, and do what? Sacrifice him for me. 
I gotta make something clear. God never intended for Abraham to kill or sacrifice Isaac. But it's a lesson for all of us to see what our father Abraham was like. Because he actually put Isaac on the, the, the sacrificial altar area. He was ready to go ahead and do it, and what happens? God stops the whole thing saying, nope, it's not what I had intended, but, but we see that he was, loved God so much, he was willing to give God the most important thing to him. But ultimately, there's a symbolism here. Who would be the one to give his son? God the Father. He gave Jesus to be the one to fulfill the promise for us. And this is, you know, the whole ancestry of what we're all about. People of the promise. And one thing I want to make very clear, whenever there is a promise and promises are kept, there's always sacrifice with that. Like even in our country, we are promised life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, we've been promised to be happy, joyful, and free. And the reason we have this in our country is because of the sacrifice of so many, that we have this freedom to live within. You go back even to our you know, forefathers in this country. You know that there's a group of farmers and merchants you know, under the leadership of you know, George Washington and others. They stood up against the most powerful army in the world at that time. And all the odds were against them. But they wanted what? Freedom. And many of them gave their lives. And a country was born based upon freedom. And wherever there's freedom, there is sacrifice. And so here we have this amazing country. We're free to worship God as we choose. But not only do we have worldly freedom, but through our Heavenly Father, through what he's done by sending us his Son in Jesus Christ and fulfilling his promise, we have eternal freedom on top of that. It doesn't get any better than this. There's every reason for us to enjoy this. But so often we get lost in the ways of this world when God wants us to be happy, joyful, and free, not just now, but forever. That's his desire for each one of us. I've got a question for you. Here's a question. Has God ever let you down? Has God ever let you down? I thought a lot about this this week, and what I realized is this. People have let me down. I have let myself down. But God has never let me down. And God will never let any of us down because when God makes a promise, it always comes true. And I want to make sure we realize this and live it out in our lives. And one last thing I want to do before I close is we start in Genesis, we're going to end in Revelation. The fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham. In, in Revelation 7, it's on page 1921, if you want to follow along, 1921. And to kind of set this up, this is an image, that, a vision that God gives to John. An image of heaven, of who's going to be in heaven one day. In fact, I believe it's a past, a present, and a future. That what John saw was all the people of all time who will be in heaven. This is what it says. After this I looked, and there before me was a multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white Robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A multitude so great that no one could what? Count. 
Remember the promise that God gave to Abraham? Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands in the seashore. That's the fulfillment. That someday there's going to be there's so many people in heaven, you can't even count them because God fulfilled his promise. And when God makes promises, they always come true. Now, in closing my sermon, I wrote a song and um, recorded it um, for today. Um, and even if you didn't get the theme in the sermon, hopefully you will get it very clearly through the song because it's going to be a repeating of the frame when God, when, when you make a promise, it always comes true. And once you um, get a feel for the song, please feel free to sing along with it. Sing it.
Let's pray. Lord God, your promises, they do come true. And I just pray that every one of us, if we forget everything else we heard today, that that's the one thing we hold on to. We can trust you. You are perfect. You are all-powerful. And as we go through life in the midst of whatever we face, help us to realize that every promise in your word becomes true because of your love for us. Amen. This time the offering be received, you please sign the registers in your rows at this time as well. Please rise as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before I share the benediction, um, after the service, I'm going to go see a friend of mine who is in hospice, and he is coming towards the end of his life. And every time as I get ready to leave, I share the benediction with him, the promise of God, and that, those words. And every time I see this big smile on his face. And the reality is this, no matter what we face in this life, no matter how difficult it may possibly be, we know this. When God makes a promise, it always comes true. 
And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor, give you his peace, now and forever. Amen.
And all the people said amen. 